prior to the pandemic, a lot of technology companies were working in these open office plans, you know, where everybody was kind of lumped into one area. And I found that this was actually very distracting for knowledge workers, as the literature shows that surveys of people work in these environments report higher levels of stress, fatigue, irritation, and even health complaints. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast where we look at every aspect of work in the future. It's brought to you by Wonder and Pattern. And uh, as always, I'm here with Claire Haydar, the CEO of Wonder and Pattern. Claire, we're talking to Eric Corum today, but before that, I just want to ask how you're feeling. I'm great. I feel on top of the world this morning, Doug. It's spring in Dallas and there's a very soft, gentle rain um, falling. And I looked out of my window this morning and I could see my mint plant blooming. And that always makes me really happy. Mint, mint's like a weed. Our mint plant is all over the place. It's all over the place. Yeah, no, it is. And that's what makes me so happy is just when it goes green after winter, then you know spring is here. Back to Eric. Um, Tell me a little about Eric Coram and uh, what he's doing on the podcast. I can honestly say that I think the topic that we're going to be discussing with Eric today, it would rank in my top two topics that HR professionals and all C-suite executives should be engaging in right now. And that is a combination of peak performance, practical applications with regards to health data and how companies should be using that, and also sleep. Sleep and uh, the health data is coming later. What are we talking about as far as peak performance today? For those who don't know Eric Corum, he is a doctor. He has his doctorate in sleep. And he has done some incredible work with the National Football um, League in in the US. And he is bringing all of that research and sharing that with us and, and applying it to work today and the future of work. So we're specifically asking him, what is the definition of peak performance? And we're then taking a really critical look at workplaces today and how they are either enabling or disabling peak performance. I can't wait to chat to Eric. Let's get on with it. Eric, good evening to me. Good morning for yourself. So nice to meet you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I think this is going to be a really interesting and uh, exciting hour ahead of us. I'm going to kick straight off with relating what you do in peak performance to business. Employees and companies define peak performance differently. As an expert and scientific researcher in this area, can you give us a definition of peak performance in work? Yeah, I think it doesn't matter whether you're an athlete or you're working in business. It's the ability to consistently operate at your performance potential. And I think the word performance is the critical word to kind of zoom in on because depending on your job function, performance looks different. So for instance, if you're a truck driver, it could be driving long durations while maintaining a high degree of alertness to safely transport goods from one location to another. However, if you're a knowledge worker, where things are moving pretty rapidly, to me, performance would then be able to process and act on information under acute and long-term stress or pressure. 
That definition opens it right up for you to jump in, Claire. I know. I'm pondering that. There's, there's about a hundred other questions in my brain right now. Okay, so Eric, we naturally want to focus this whole conversation on the future of work. Yeah. And with today's blended work environments and virtual workplaces, given that you've just given us that really profound, in many ways, definition of what peak performance is, how do current workplaces today enable peak performance? And more importantly, how do they disable it? Yeah, I think now that we're working in these more dispersed work environments, I think all three of us are at home in an office or something like that. It gives you greater control over your physical work environment to create the conditions for success. And in human performance, work performance, you want to create conditions, right? That'll enable themselves to lend itself to performance. So at the beginning of January, did an entire podcast series on this, and I got really deep into the weeds on productivity. Prior to the pandemic, a lot of technology companies were working in these open offense plans, you know, where everybody was kind of lumped into one area. And I found that this was actually very distracting for knowledge workers. As the literature shows that Surveys of people work in these environments report higher levels of stress, fatigue, irritation, and even health complaints. A friend of mine is the CEO of a company called Teamworks. It's a multinational company that basically creates the communication networks for sports organizations. And he said they had this beautiful building in North Carolina. We were talking last week and he said, you know, they found they used to have this open office plans. Now that some people are coming back, the engineers are way more productive because they can work in a closed off environment, put their heads down. And so I think if you're working by yourself at your home, you can create the conditions in your working space that lend themselves to you being at your best. I also was looking into disorder. And how like sometimes when you're clumped in with everybody else, like you're dealing with their mess. And some researchers at Princeton's Neuroscience Institute using functional MRI, which means you can look at the brain while it's actually working. And they found that when participants cleared the clutter from their work environment, they were able to focus and process information and be more productive. I also think it helps you with habits and routines. So if you have your own workspace, you can create the conditions that are best for you. You can also engage in habits and routines that lend themselves to productivity. So for instance, if you were in a big corporate environment and you were really tired, let's say you have some kids, you were up late last night or in the middle of the night and you needed a 15 minute nap. Like if you just laid down, people would be like, okay, this is not cool. But literature does show that a 15 to 20 minute nap is a cognitive superpower. It improves your cognitive abilities. You can make better decisions. So like you could just go into the next room, take a 15 minute break and be back and nobody would know the difference. Also, you know, there's different phases of the day that lend themselves to different types of work. Okay. So like the first eight hours that you're awake during the day, the chemicals norepinephrine, cortisol, and dopamine at their most elevated levels, which are ideal for engaging in like hard work or hard thinking. The next like nine to 16 hours, serotonin's at its highest level, which is great for creative thinking. And so if I'm working by myself and I know that I've got XYZ tasks to get done today or over the next week, I could rearrange my day 
And if I know that I have specific check-ins with my team, I have greater autonomy. Now, from the standpoint of disabling, I think meeting frequent I think meetings are the killer of productivity. <laughs> you lose people really quick on these meetings that could have been an email. The duration of meetings are stupid long. And then also because we're digitally engaged in a meeting, have you ever been on a meeting when you know somebody's looking at another website or doing something else? Oh, completely. Like it happens all the time. <laughs> right. So in my organization, it's be brief, be bright, be gone. So 15 minute meetings, 20 minute meetings and like get it in and then we're out. And then we'll slack as need be or we'll turn off slack sometimes for periods of work where I don't want to be distracted. Or they don't want to be distracted. I think though that accountability can be an issue. There's a gray area with freedom and with freedom comes responsibility. And so I think this is where choosing the people on your team matter and that you want to work with self-disciplined people that are internally motivated and aligned with your core values and mission. And it's also easier to get distracted. Social media, you can get on your phone and before you know it, 30 minutes is gone. And there's like, there's no pressure with people around you. Typical office space scenario, you know, not turning up your music or whatever. So I think it lends itself to, to us being able to create the optimal work environments, but you need to be more self-disciplined on the other side. And then we need to be considerate of these meetings that we put people through. Can I jump in with a comment? So my thought is that pre-pandemic, it was only working in person. And so all the things you've just spoken about, about the, the distractions, the lowered productivity, et cetera, that was how life was. We then went into forced lockdown in most, just about every country, taught ourselves or showed that it was possible to work in that, that type of environment, be more productive, have a more loose and fitting life around your work. And now we're at a point where in a lot of places, people are being mandated to go back to work. So they're almost taking that step back rather than having some form of blended or alternative work op op option. You know, we were going to ask you the question, have we actually truly built work in such a way that it's enabling peak performance based on what you've just shared with us around the definition of peak performance, but also what you've just shared with us in terms of like, you know, what are the enablers? 98% of workplaces out there don't have those enablers in place right now. It really is the marginal companies that have that in place. And to Doug's point about the position that a lot of employers are taking on forcing people back into the office um, and being pretty rigid about supposed flexibility that they're giving is going to backfire badly because people tolerated that suboptimal environment before because they actually didn't realize that there was a different way of doing it. And now that we've had two years of this ingrained way, we each of us have, as individuals have actually been able to figure out what works best for us personally, it's really going to backfire on companies because people are going to be like, I genuinely am not as productive in this office space as I was during the pandemic. Yeah, I think there's a lot of sunk cost with these buildings that people have created. Yeah. And so you have to really be compassionate to the people that have invested maybe tens to hundreds of millions of dollars into these buildings. So you can't just eradicate that. That could sink, I mean, that could sink people. I do think that there's massive opportunity 
for design for homework environments. I've had YC companies reach out to me randomly like, hey, do you think there's a way we could mitigate orthopedic trauma from desk work? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I know a friend that wrote some AI to like automate the detection of slouching. I don't know how many people of necks are starting to hurt uh, because their position of their screens are not right. There should be like, these companies should be releasing like best practices for these things, improving line of sight, lighting. I think team operations could be improved. For instance, understanding people's circadian chronotypes. So people that are night owls versus morning folks could be like partnered together to kind of go, okay, yeah, we have a product team, but like who's best to work with who at the most, the best times. I know you and I have talked about time boxing and how helpful that is. And I just think that, I think there's an advantage for us, the new folks in the space, because as we're recruiting people and as we're scaling, we get to have those conversations. Like, okay, do we have a core team that's located in one city or do we have core teams in multiple cities around the globe? You know, you get a smaller office space and you're only in for a few days a week. Maybe you maybe you do transition to a four-day work week, two in, two out. I think that there's so much that could be done to improve workplace productivity and peak performance. So that brings us to the end of part one of our conversation with Eric Coram. Be sure to check out the other two parts of this interesting conversation around peak performance on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or of course on Wanda's website. That's wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.